This episode of the Word Bros Podcast is brought to you by Creative Contract Consulting. CreativeContractConsulting.com. Go ahead and talk. Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. (laughs) Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. Welcome to another edition of Word Bros, the self-proclaimed tag team champions of podcasting and comics. Now, are we more of a heel team or a face team? I, I don't know. What do you think? I think we're tweeners. I think we would be tweeners as well. If I pull because... my hair out of the braid back here, like I have it, I actually have the... my hair uh, in a ponytail. I have my hair in two ponytails. I kind of have like the rest. It look like thing. a top knot. Yeah. Yeah. They're... I've got like a top, but I do have a top knot too. I got yeah, a top I know. knot it's, here. It's crazy. And then this stuff here. So I got like the Shawn Michaels kind of thing going on. <laughs> So, but yeah, it's cool. But if you put, if, so like if your hair is, is down, we're good guys. And if it's up, we're bad guys. Yeah. If my hair is down, we're bad guys. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I see. All so, right. That would make sense. Yeah. So this week on the podcast, we welcome Teddy Leo. Teddy is a jack of all trades. He's an, he's a submissions editor. He's an editor. He, he does everything over at Aftershock Comics. And he's a, he's a young man, but he's got a really interesting story. And we're really excited to talk to him. And he gets the coffee. Forget about it. He does everything. I mean, this kid, you listen to him and, and he sounds like he's 70 years old because all of his life experiences, he's like 24. He's done, <laughs> he's managed to do more in 24 years than, I, than I've done my whole life. It's really impressive. He sounds like a, he's a real go-getter, a good dude. And we're going to talk to him right now on the Word Bros Podcast. Podcast. All right. This has been free and easy. We've been talking for like 10 minutes and we haven't hit record yet. Today we're talking to Teddy Leo. He is an editor over at Aftershock Comics. And Ted, you're the first editor we've ever had on the podcast. Like we've had people that do like freelance editing and things like that, but you're the first actual real live editor for a company. Like, how does that work? How do you, how are you even able to do this? Cause don't, don't editors have to sign like confidentiality agreements and stuff where they can't talk about the things they do or the, the makings of the books. I mean, maybe other companies were, were definitely a little bit more chill. I mean, there's obviously things that I can't talk about that, you know, would be coming down in, like, the pipeline stuff. Um, I can definitely talk about, like, our process, um, kind of how I ended up there, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, Aftershock, like I said, I mean, we're a pretty awesome company. We're pretty open. We're, we're really about the creators and everything like that. So, uh, we're always pretty open talking to people about how we do things, what we're doing, where, when we can. So that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Now we were talking earlier before, and you're like a Jersey kid, right? Like, you, where were you? Where are you from in Jersey? Originally from Essex County, and okay. then she's like West Caldwell and everything. And then uh, after 9/11, my family moved out more to the country because obviously we were like, all right, well, 
Let's, let's <laughs> move, move, move sure. a little bit. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because September 11th is my mom's birthday. So for us, I remember getting picked up. Oh, holy smokes. Yeah, I remember getting picked up and being like, oh, cool. Like, we're we're going to be going to, like, uh, we're supposed to be going out to dinner and uh, having these cool plans, whatever. And I was like, oh, nice. We're getting picked up, like, early to get that stuff. And then I remember all, all their faces. And I was like, mm, something's up here. Uh, and then obviously, you know, the hell that happened was unfolding around us. So we then, after that, uh, my older brothers and sisters kind of got either went to college or had graduated and stuff. So my parents were like, okay, let's, you and your twin brother will go up to where we usually go for like the summers. And uh, we ended up moving up to Sussex County in a town called Sparta um, in Lake Mohawk. And we had like a summer house there. We ended up moving our company out there, a real estate development company. And then uh, we, we started living up there, which, which is an awesome place to live. I mean, you're on the lake and you get, you're near like Mount Creek, which is our, like the snowboarding stuff and skiing. You got trails, you got, we would go dirt bike riding and then Dang. come back. Yeah, we'd go dirt bike riding for like the weekend and then come back uh, like on Sunday and then crash in our pool. You're like, a a Car- you're like a Kardashian. What is going on? Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was, it's, I mean, in the moment you don't realize, you know, like as a kid and stuff, you're just like, oh, this is, you know, this is awesome. Like, you know, during the summers, I get to go hang out with my friends and everything. And then we would go dirt bike riding, race stuff. We would go to Unadilla, which is a big motocross uh, race in upstate New York. Uh, but now as I got older and stuff, and I think about it, like some days I'm like, oh man, I wish I could go back and just like hang out by the fire, jump into the, you know, our doom buggy, flip it, like a bunch <laughs> of doom buggy. Like, yeah. well, this is amazing. <laughs> but we've, we've already discussed so many things on this podcast that we've never mentioned with anyone else. 9-11, dune buggies. Like the, we've never the, mentioned dune buggies. It's never the happened. conversation um, is I, everywhere. I, uh, it's wonderful. I, yeah, I, I crashed one hard. Once I hit a deer on my dirt bike. That was an interesting Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And we were just going that like I was going on a straightaway and like deer jumped out and like I I, I just like clicked them and stuff and I like, smashed into a into a tree. And I was like, well that's awesome. Say. Um and then another time I was with my friend who's my friend was like a real he would go race like dirt bikes and everything and like competitions. He's a maniac. Alex Whitter. He's insane. He's got a big TikTok and he's now he like does uh tricks out all of his cars does all like stunt stuff he's insane but he was with me so i was trying to push it a little bit than i usually would do okay, it in, okay. uh, in, the, in the buggy and we hit a corner and i was like okay let's just drift this thing around here and we went around onto our straightaway and we flipped that thing like six times over and then i remember my dad and his dad come running up the thing chasing us like whatever and his dad was just yelling at us because all the gas because it was 08 right so like the gas was was really high at that point right it was the <laughs> <laughs> and the gas was it was coming out of the thing and he was like flip it over like don't waste the gas don't waste the gas and me, my dad was like Yo, are you guys good and we're like yeah thanks for asking like yeah we're good and then mr Wig, his dad was just like yelling us for the gas he's like you know how expensive that gas is and we're That's like awesome. okay yeah we're doing it we're doing it. hold on i'm just trying to make sure my body is all here like holy crap i'll, I'll get right there yeah but it was, it was it was really fun it was it was, a, it was definitely a crazy uh childhood we always do insane stuff especially up there. <laughs> That bit sounds like something you would see in The Sopranos. Like, 
<laughs> like, you know, Tony's yelling at somebody because they're wasting gas. Like, remember the one episode, I don't know if you watched The Sopranos, but the one episode where um, uh, somebody threw a sandwich at Vito and we got to fix this. Do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> like, there was, yes. That was like a whole big controversy because I'd never watched Sopranos and I'd seen it because I couldn't afford HBO. I was in college and I watched it so, with somebody who had HBO. I was like, this is what the show is about. Like, they're throwing sandwiches at each other. Like, <laughs> this is Long Island. Like, why do I want to watch Long Island? This is stupid. I can see this at any of my Italian friends' houses in Long Island. This is dumb, and, but I guess it got better because then they talked about Columbus Day, so that was cool too. I mean, everybody had their dude on the, the Sopranos. Like, who was your dude? Mine? Yeah, you didn't have one? I mean, I didn't watch it enough to really enjoy it, so I can't oh. say. What Did you ever watch Sopranos, Teddy? I watched pieces of it. I remember my family would always... Oh, speaking of them, they're texting me. Hold on, let me... Okay. Let me... <laughs> uh I swear every time I'm doing podcasts and stuff, they, they, they have like an itch. They have spidey senses for it because they either call <laughs> me or whatever. Um, yeah, I remember my family always watching it. It was a big thing in my house, especially when I was in Essex County because that's basically where The Sopranos like takes place. A lot there of you the, go. All right. And a lot of the places and restaurants and stuff that they go to, it was in to, my town. To get the gabagool? So you know where they got the gabagool? Like, you know all where that, that was? All that stuff. Yeah, all that stuff was in, yeah, it was around where I lived. And some That's of the characters awesome. were based on, like, people in my area and close to family members and stuff. <laughs> okay, so, so, so this sounds like this sounds like the end of Goodfellas for you. Like, you're Ray Liotta walking out, picking up your newspaper, living in the middle of nowhere. I'm a yeah. schmuck. I'm a nobody. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I actually moved to the country because we had to get away from... No, no. Uh, <laughs> so I remember, uh, like, all my family always watched it. They were, we were, they were pretty hard in, in Sopranos and stuff. Again, because they are some of them were pretty wrapped up in the real culture of that stuff in the mob and everything. That's awesome. But uh, I, I have to go back now as an adult. I have to, I have to save them my HBO Max because, I mean, I, I quote from it all the time, but like, I'm, and I know the scenes and stuff, but I have to like go actually watch it now, like fully all the way through instead of just like episodes here, episodes there, stuff like that. Right. Uh, Walnuts. I could see you being a Polly Walnuts guy, Kevin. I'm a Polly Walnuts guy. Yes. That makes sense. <laughs> I love Polly Walnuts. Um, and the reason why, the weird, like I've never told anybody why, but my uncle used to live in Port Jefferson and that's my mom's side of the family, so they're Italian. And my uncle used to fix, uh, he ran a tow truck, uh, company and then like fix they'd fix cars and that was like a junkyard slash tow tow truck company slash auto repair and that's how things are in like in Long Island and Port Jefferson and stuff like that where he's from and I spent the summer with my uncle uh, when my grandfather was sick and like my uncle we used to work with this guy uh, and I can't even remember his name I, I, it might have been Tommy I don't know I can't remember his name but he There's was a like good a real, chance he was a real weird cat and he used to wear an Italian horn and he used to kiss it all the time. And I'm like, that dude is Polly Walnuts. Tommy and Polly Walnuts are the same. Tommy seemed like he was a little off, a little crazy, like Polly Walnuts. So, yeah, I, I, have, I definitely have a bunch of those family members that like easily could have replaced the uh, the cast of the Sopranos and stuff. No. <laughs> I mean, like growing up, my uncle, my uncle and stuff, they definitely did some minor stuff with look, the mom look, and stuff you don't have to talk kids. about any of this stuff I, I can tell that your closet is full of adidas jumpsuits and, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I oh but i yeah, oh. they were they were i uh, they were uh they're definitely but then he became a cop so he was he was a newer cop and everything but he would take me on like 
trips in his patrol car, and we'd always somehow end up at a restaurant that was run by not the police. Some guy with no neck. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's fine because I, I was a, I was a head chef uh, for like six years, and uh, I always wanted to be a chef and everything. Wait a minute, time out, time out. So you were how old are you? Like you're twenty twenty three. So you were a head chef from ages six to twelve. Like when were you? Uh, From I was a head chef from (laughs) what year was that? Two thousand. So I think sophomore year of high school to sophomore junior or sophomore year of college. Wow. Okay. Wow. So where were where were you chefing then? Uh, So we had this. uh, There was this private pool club in our town. Okay. And they had like an on-site restaurant operations and everything. Okay. And I worked uh, maintenance and stuff early on. And then I got put into the kitchen because the head chef at the time was uh, struggling because he was the only guy working in there. And obviously we had, it was like 900 members or something like that. So, wow. you know, like every, wow. yeah, you had, you were putting out a decent amount of food during the day and this guy was trying to do it all. And, um, so they were like, you know, just jump in there or whatever. And they're like, you, you know, just help them out when you can. And as a kid who, you know, I watched like Emerald, Anthony Bourdain and stuff. I was like, sure. But <laughs> I also I also had like some anxiety stuff. And, but once I got in there, I was like, I'm in. Like, like this is it. And it like clicked for me because as a kid, I always watched my, my parents cook, my, my family, it, it being an Italian household, that's super important, right? So like, pretty much every everything we did was built around like the kitchen and the dining room. So I, I grew up in it, in that space. And once I got in there, it, it just clicked for me. And then once that chef, uh, before the season ended, like the last month of the season, he got a job out in, uh, out in Cali, working at this uh, really nice like uh, prep school that they needed a new head chef for. So he went out there and did that. And then I ended up picking up the rain and it was like, can you just do this for the last month of the season and i was like yeah sure okay i was like i got it like it's it's easy at this point and then the next season came they're like yeah we'll, we'll find someone new and you know like five and a half years later i was just doing it the whole time they were wow. like it doesn't matter so they named they yeah they named the whole thing like Taylor's grill i did all the so I, I was <laughs> grilling after that's amazing yeah i was head <laughs> chef and, and fmb operations manager so i would do our daily service and run all of our team and everything but then i also had to make sure you know like the products were coming in, working with our Coca-Cola reps or, you know, Rockland or bakery or our uh, Cisco reps. Wow. If we had special events, we had like a few, we had a wedding that we had to do uh, for my cousin. We did uh, uh, like special theme nights. We had the highest accredited camp um, that you can have in like the country. So it's like super high levels you have to pass and um, to get like this accreditation. Um, So we had that going and our food program for that every single day. It was, it was a, it was definitely a blast. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, especially doing it as a kid, like that was my summer job. So I would work my ass off. I remember, I remember I was trying to date this girl at the time and we were, we we're opening the season, but you know, even though we didn't open the pool until like, uh, I think it was like beginning of June, we started like april to get ready and i would be working we would be like hand painting the olympic pool we'd be doing all the different stuff for it and then i would be getting the kitchen ready with my team and everything and i remember she would just like kept hit me up and everything because i had spent a long, long time trying to get her to like pay attention to me i i was like 300 pounds and then over that winter i'd lost a bunch of weight for her to like notice me and stuff and then when i came back i was just so busy with this 
that she thought I was ignoring her over and over again. But I, slowly she realized that like my job was a little bit more intense than like the other people that worked at the pool that were like, oh, I'm a camp counselor. Oh, yeah. I'm a lifeguard. Like, I was look, like, look, honey, I'm not bagging groceries here. I've got yeah, the uh, I've fish. got the Francisco wedding I got to take care of. We got yeah, the yeah. I got to get the tables and the and the and the, the napkins and all this stuff, baby. This yeah. isn't this isn't some. I gotta not- cook the gravy. <laughs> huh? forget about well, it. It's funny because on on Sundays we uh we would always do that. So we had like a family <laughs> and everything. So all of our families would come come through and everything. And my uncle would, would stop by and my parents would bring all this stuff. And we would always, uh, we would have our, our tent set up with all the food and like all the, the different partners and ownership and everything. And uh, all the members would always be like, what's, what are, you, what are you cooking over there? Can I get a little bit of that? And I'm like, listen, nah, you know, this is not on the menu. This is like invite only. If, if you get like the in with the family and you could have this. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. So it was like a thing around. It was like a thing in on the property that all the members would be like, like if they got an in or if we'd be like, oh, you come on, come over, like have a, have a dish of pasta, whatever. It would like, they felt like they like accomplished something or something. It was so funny. He's like, if they asked really, we would have fed everyone the whole yeah. thing. But they, I guess thought probably because we were like loud and whatever, it, it seemed a little bit more like unattainable, but. We would always be down feeding people. So, so in, in all that, how did you have, to, like, were you into <laughs> comics then? Like you, you had a lot of stuff going on. Like, were you into yeah, comics? So, then? Yeah, not well, kind of like a little kind of, bit okay. halfway through in that. So this is, this is how I got into comics. My, my dream, that book, God, every time I go the wrong way, that like <laughs> Mickey Mouse book there, right? Mm-hmm. It, uh, it talks about all of like Walt Disney's life and everything. It's like 700 pages. And I got it from my grandfather who might, may or may not have been involved in wise guy things. Okay. <laughs> right. So he gave it to me. He would give us like hash trucks and stuff. And I'd be like, where'd you get this? Cause he had like 50 hash trucks or like 18 Honda motorcycles in his garage and like all this stuff. He'd be like, do you want it? Like, no questions. If you're gonna ask questions, you don't get this. I'm like, all right, relax. <laughs> like, Holy shit. Relax, grandpa. <laughs> Grandpa Blackie, we used to call him. And uh, he gave me that one day and I read through it all. And the last chapter is all about building the Disney theme parks. So okay. it talks about this group of a, a design team called Walt Disney Imagineers. And like I said, kind of earlier, like my family's in real estate development. So I grew up on construction sites and, and watching my dad design buildings and then get the building from this, you know, dream design on a construction site opening and everything like that. So it kind of clicked to me. I was like, holy crap, like someone has to do that, but they get to do theme park rides and hotels and cruise ships and all these different things. So that was the dream, right? I was like, okay, whatever I have to do, that's what I'm gonna do. I sent letters to Imagineers. I went to like every art class I could. I would design things. I would, whatever it took, like that's what I was doing. And then uh, Disney bought Marvel. And I was like, okay, uh, what is this? I, I don't know. Like, I know conceptually a little bit about these characters, but I was like, what, what did they just buy? Like, why did they buy this company? What is this? And I started looking into the characters and I was like, okay, this, they're trying to get the older, trying to get me basically. They're trying to get guys, <laughs> you know, they're like, okay, we have princesses locked. We have Mickey blocked, but we need, we need the people that are going to Universal Studios. We need that. And I started learning about it. And then my uncle Sal, who was the cop and everything, he brought a bootleg copy of Iron Man uh, 1 
to our house. Okay. He was like, you gotta watch this movie. He was like, it's like, an, it's a base about this character I used to read as a kid, this comic thing. He's like, but it like, they're trying to build this universe and everything with movies. And he was telling me about it. He was like, just, just watch it. It's really good. And I was like, is it good? Like, what? Like, and when he turned it off, I was like, holy fuck. What, what is that? Like, that was insane. What, like, I need more of that. What's the next one? And he told me about Captain America. And for me, I was like, okay, you know, like, that sounds interesting to me. And then I saw Captain America and he's, I mean, I have the shield back there. He is my favorite character of all time. Um, so that's when I was like, okay, uh, this is going to work. Whatever Marvel and Disney <laughs> this are planning, is work. <laughs> with this MCU thing, by the time I graduate college, that's the rides they're going to be building. So I was like, I have to learn everything I can about comic books so I have a leg up on the, the kids who will be trying to get the same jobs as me um, because we'll all be talented but my thing will be that I know about comic books and how it works and like that that'll be my way in um, now I was right with the whole that by the time I graduate college they would be uh, building theme parks and stuff what I didn't know is that there would be a global pandemic that shut them all down and Imagineering <laughs> would, yeah Imagineering would fire like pretty much 90% of the staff and everything so that was a little off but uh, so that's when I got into it. I was looking at comic books and everything, but I, it never kind of really got into like the physical stuff. And uh, I then, uh, because I was out in Sparta, New Jersey, I was looking up stuff about uh, comics and everything. And my parents found a, 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 like an ad for the Kubert School, for uh, the Joe Kubert School. And that's in Dover, Jer New Jersey. And that's, it's like two or three towns over from me. Okay. okay. So I, I had always passed it, but I didn't know like anything about it, whatever. And they were like, you should, you should go. And again, like I had a really bad anxiety as a kid. And so I was like, yeah, I want to do it. And then I remember sitting outside the class or the school. And I was like, I don't want to, I never mind. I'm good. I don't need to. <laughs> yeah, my dad was like, listen, try it. You always do this. He always gives, he always gives this, uh, this when I was a kid, I would always like not go on the water slide at a hotel or, or whatever. And then I would do it like the last day and then I would go over and over again and be bummed out that I didn't do it the whole trip. Mm -hmm. So he would always, he always tells me that when I was a kid, he'd be like, you know, water slide, water slide, just, just go in there and do it now. And I'll be like, okay. And he was like, I'll just wait in the car outside the whole three hours. I was like, okay, fine. So he parked outside the window so I could sit there and see him. And then he did that for like four or five different classes until I finally was like, all right, like I'm good. Like I'm, I, I feel comfortable here. And that was my first entry into like the physical stuff. Um, I was taught by the uh, Fernando Ruiz who did a bunch of the Archie things and everything. So that was my first character that I would watch him get like a script and like illustrate in front of me. And I would ask him different questions about it. And he was pretty open and, you know, telling me all about it. But I remember thinking one day because there was a fist fight in my class about who At was- the Kubrick school? Yeah, yeah, on the Saturday class, he was, wow. it was this fight because they were fighting about who is more like strong. It was like Batman or like Iron Man or something like oh, that. Oh, it was a comic book store fight in the Cooper Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was <laughs> a big, it like, got so heated that it actually came to fisticuffs. It, it got heat. Yeah, it was these two, it was like these two kids that, you know, like everyone else was just cool and vibing in the school, but these two kids were definitely, they took their, their fandom to another level and like they were like a little bit younger that like you know they really took it to another level and they started swinging on each other wow and i remember thinking sitting there oh, if this is how this whole industry is and fandom is like i'm not i, I don't think <laughs> I'm like 
work in this. I just need to know enough so I could go work in Imagineering. And then fast forward, however many years later, I think like four or five years later, um, that girl that I was trying to date at the time at the pool and everything, we had dated and everything. And then she had broken up with me and I realized how much she planned and stuff. So I was kind of bored sitting around. I was like, holy shit. Wow. She really planned out a lot of stuff for us. And uh, <laughs> it just so happened that Mike Martz, our editor-in-chief at Aftershock Comics, had just moved into our apartment building that my family owned and that we lived in. And when he like signed up and everything, you know, like normally you put like your occupation or and stuff. And my dad saw Marvel comics. So my dad was like, he looked him up and he was like, holy shit, this dude's like big Marvel comic. This isn't like some, you know, like, oh yeah, I, I did some, you know, I drew Batman or I, I drew like, you know, Spider-Man did- as a kid or whatever. Like this is serious. Yeah. And uh, we, my dad was like, do you mind if like my kids like pop in my my son is really obsessed with marvel can you can you like pop in and he was like yeah sure so he mike was in the thing signed his contract and he was like showing me his badge for marvel what i didn't know is at that same time he just i think either like that day or a few days prior he had just let marvel know that he was leaving to let to start aftershock so that whole like few years that i was talking to him and stuff he was building out aftershock but i didn't really know about it and then once my uh my girlfriend at the time we broke up and everything I went upstairs and like knocked on his door because I had been working on this digital comic book idea to try to get kids like me who watch the movies and stuff, but don't really kind of go to the actual physical stuff. Okay. A new interactive thing for that. So I had all these storyboards and I, I, I showed how we could do it and do it with the Aftershock brand and everything. And I went up there and I, I presented him this whole thing. I was like, so this is my idea. Like, this is the storyboards. This is how the app would work, how the, the UI would work. Why? I had demonstrations of how they could create one of our books was Dreaming Eagles, which was all about like World War II dogfights and everything. Mm-hmm. And that's to, to Stiggy Airman and stuff. So I showed like animations with that, how it could come off the page and everything. He was like, you know, this is pretty good. He was like, you're on the right track and stuff. He's like, you're thinking about the future. He's like, we're not there yet. Like we just launched. Uh, he was like, but if you're willing. <laughs> yeah, like you're like, bro, like we have three books. So you're cool like, your jets, like, homie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like chill out. And he was like, also, like, how old are you? What like you're in high school? Chill, bro. Like, try to try to graduate first, you know? Like, but no, he was chill. He was like, if you're willing to learn the grunt work, I'll teach you everything I know. Wow. And it was like, yeah, and I said, uh, I I'm down 100 percent Um, I worked in restaurants. So I was like, that's how you do it, right? You work on the line, work your way up. I was like, I'm I'm in. Like I, I love learning that way. So I would sit at his desk in, in his, like literally right next to him. And he would just teach me how he does things. He would, you know, talk about with insane talent over his years, you know, being the group editor at, at Batman or DC for Batman and his, all of his stints at Marvel and everything. And just, you know, I would soak it up as a sponge and everything. And I did that starting high school, end of high school, senior year. And then after probably like six or seven months, then I went from being like, a, you know, like I had a, in the books, it would say like special thanks to Teddy Leo. Um, and then right. I remember, then I remember I, I got upgraded to the, to the uh, editorial assistant. And then it's just been that pretty much ever since I've just been going through. What's been cool is I've been able to work with the company since pretty much the beginning. So I've been able to see it grow and become where it's at now. Uh, and you know, over the years, 
because I've been always down to do whatever the Renaissance man, I've been able to do, uh, you know, editing stuff, working on film and TV. Like before we actually had like a film and TV division, a lot of the, a lot of the um, first few like pitches and stuff, the packets that we send out to the, you know, studios and stuff I work on and everything. So I, I've been able to get a lot of the random experience just because I'm always willing to learn how to do it or whatever, which is fun. You're like the Henry Hill of comics. Like you are, yeah. you're like this little kid from as long as I wanted to remember, I wanted to be a gangster. You just wanted to be, you wanted to make a, an amusement park and look at you now. Like this is where you yeah, I just, up. yeah, I just wanted to tell stories. So, That's yeah, amazing. Because even though like I still learn comics, I still like tell, tell creative, which is the sweatshirt I'm wearing right now, is my like design company and everything that I have. So that's, I like, when I started at Aftershock, after a little bit, I was like, well, if I'm not going to do this digital thing or a new era of comics for at Aftershock, I'm going to go do it uh, by myself. So I then wrote a comic book. I was like, Mike, I'm going to write a comic. And he's like, dude, you've been in this for like, like three months. What are you talking Like, okay. I don't think he really believed me, um, to be honest, because not only did I say, Mike, I'm going to go write a comic book, but I said, then I'm also going to create an AR app that... I then scan the pages, it'll pop up and I'm going to go create my own soundtrack for it. And I think probably at first he was like, okay, yeah, sure. Like make sure you get the stuff in time for our books. You know, lay off, lay off the drugs, kid. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like, okay. Yeah. I'm glad you're doing that, but also make sure you look at the email I sent you because I really needed that book edited for, you know, or reviewed for this. <laughs> um, but I, I then, you know, I started that in high school and then I, I wrote it and then we launched it on, New York Comic Con, actually, 2018. Wow. Wow. Uh, and we did. We, we, we did the whole... Actually, I'm here. We did the whole book, which is Mind Control, which is all about, like, this kid with mental health. It was kind of based on, like, my story and everything. Um, and we did this whole, uh, like, figure thing with whatever, which was really cool. We did the AR app. So if you pull out the app on your phone and, and point at the thing, this the AR um, stuff comes out of it and everything. That's we have awesome. our own, yeah, we have our own soundtrack that we did with the what composer who worked on uh, the Irishman, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Wow. Um, yeah, we did the this like making of book that was really fun, which kind of gave a behind the scenes of like all the different things we did. That's pretty. This, awesome. this was like the original concept art that I was doing. So I was like trying to show people like, okay, like this is, this is how we're going to have to try to get this stuff to home. So, but Mike, Mike was like, you know, how many, you know, not often can you go to someone who was in his, with his experience and be like, Mike, Hey, can you like review this script for me that I'm working on? Yeah. Or do you have a chance? Can you give me feedback on this? Or like, well, you know, like you don't get that, right? Like usually you either have to be at Marvel or DC or you'd have to pay a, a hefty price and, Mike would always just be like, yeah, sure. Like send it, send it to my email or he would sit down next to me. Like literally we have a, like a boardwalk right across from where we live in, up in Jersey where we, we, where we used to all live actually. And uh, we would like sit on the bench and like grab coffee and we talk about like the script for the story. I remember one time he was like, listen, you got like three different stories happening here. Like, which one do you want to tell? Like, he was like, you got, they're all good stories. He was like, but pick one. You got to pick one. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a blast, especially to find not only like a mentor, but like a, a real friend in Mike and stuff over the years, you know, super valuable. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and you've done all this at like the ripe old age. What are you like, 25 now? 23. Okay, so you're 20. Jeez. And you've done all this at the ripe old age of 23. That's very impressive. That shows a lot of kind of uh, stick to itiveness and, and go getter attitude that the uh, that that a lot of kids these days don't be showing. So that's good for you, Ted. Yeah, yeah. I I I uh, I don't know where. I think I just get um, bored easily. So I'm like, well, what's the next project I could do? Where will I like? What's that the makes new sense. Skill? You know. So. But unlike a lot of people that might get bored easily, like if I do something, it's like, okay, like I'm not going to go like halfway with it. You know, like it, it, I knew once I did mind control, actually, I know exactly when I can tell you exactly the day when I was like, okay, I have to do this now. One of my good friends, I was showing him like the outline or whatever. And he laughed. He was like, well, you're not going to actually do this. And I remember being like, Oh, you fucked up there, Travis. That's it. I'm definitely <laughs> doing this. I'm like, I'm definitely doing it. Now, I man. love, I love everything about that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucked up there, Travis. <laughs> That's amazing. Now I'm gonna go make some comics. <laughs> Fuck you, Travis. Watch this, Travis. Yeah, I'm still good friends with him to this day. And, and I remember when we launched and everything, and I came back after a few years because we're we both were in college and stuff. And I won like Christmas break. I was back. And he saw like it on the shelf, or whatever. He was like, "Dude, I remember literally sitting here telling you you're not going to do that." I was like, "Travis, I do too. I do too, man. It's exactly why it's sitting over there." <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Well, so basically, I helped you. You should really be thanking me." And I was like, "Yeah, oh, you're right, Travis. You're right." <laughs> that book was made out of spite, Travis. Out of spite. But hey, man, sometimes that's what you need. So, so like, so at AfterShock, you do everything. You, it sounds like you literally do everything over there. Yeah, whatever. I mean, listen, there's an incredible team at AfterShock, right? Um, but I, I'm always down to do whatever they need me to. Um, you know, like I flew up from Florida to go work the New York Comic Con booth in 2018 um, when we had Comic Con still. Uh, <laughs> and, the, and the before I, uh, times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yesterday I was on a four-hour call with the Cuba School doing portfolio reviews. Um, one of my big things I really kind of take on as myself is the, the our submissions process. A lot of that email when I first got on, one of the first jobs like gigs Mike gave me was he's like, "Listen, we have so many emails on our submissions thing, like kind of like an, a year backlog. Um, Jeez, like, can you go through it?" Yeah, and I was at first. I think what was good is like, I didn't really understand the submissions process and what that might be. Cause I was like, no one else wants to do it. Sure. I'll do it. Um, <laughs> you know, but thinking now, like now I see why no one want to do it because you know, it wasn't like we got one submission every day. So it was only like 300. Um, there was a certain point where in the beginning stages, you could see we're getting maybe like one or two a day. Um, but then once it got announced and things were coming out and people were like, yo, aftershocks, like doing some crazy stuff over there, all of a sudden it would be like, 15 a day, 20 a day, 30 days. So it was like 6,000 of them. Good Lord. Good gosh. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, but I mean, to this day, I still do it, right? Like it, now it's an email that gets sent to us into our submissions is lucky that it, it might, I would say the longest it takes for someone's eyes to get onto it, like mine or whatever, would be like, I don't know, maybe 10 hours. If that's awesome. Some oh, that's not bad. Didn't, yeah, if that's for good. some reason I didn't have my computer, most of the time, sometimes I'll respond to stuff like 11 o'clock at night because I'm just sitting there like chilling and I'm like, oh, this is cool. It's like a cool picture. This artist looks cool. Let me save that so I can look at it tomorrow. 
Um, but yeah, it's one of my favorites because I think uh, since I always drew as a kid and everything and I wanted to be a concept artist and everything, um, I understand the creative side. So I understand how to like talk to artists and because I've written things and everything and, and just am a creator myself, I'm always... I just find it fun. There were a lot of other editors at different companies I've run into don't really like it. They like to find their own stuff um, and not like have to sort through the black hole that is submissions. I actually really like finding those people that are new voices, new creators and everything. And it's really become one of my favorite parts of the jobs. So. Yeah, I mean, I have to, when I first reached out to you via LinkedIn about wanting to talk about, you know, comics and stuff like that you were super responsive and and you got i mean we were talking over like chatting over linkedin i was like this is this is the most yeah. amazing experience i've ever had with an editor before at a company this is this is phenomenal <laughs> because normally it's like yeah we'll talk to you and if you don't hear anything in four weeks we're good but i mean you were quick to get back so that's that shows a lot to your kind of sensibilities for creators because you know how it feels being on the other side of that yeah that's where it really comes out you know like as a kid and everything there's a lot of times when you like reach out for advice or, or you're like, Hey, you know, I remember all the letters I would send to Imagineers or like artists and stuff. I was like, Hey, how did you get here? How did you do this? You know, do you have tips and stuff? And people like, yeah, yeah. I'll let you know, like I'll email you back in, you know, I just have to finish up a project and it would never come. And I, I remember thinking when I, when Mike first gave me the, the assignment, I was like, oh, I'm always going to respond. I'm going to, I mean, even sometimes we have artists, that send us stuff and they're like, you know, like eight. So their stuff is obviously like, no, we can't hire you. One, you're eight years old. Um, <laughs> like, you know, your stuff is still stick figures and stuff. But like, I'll take my time to be like, hey, like, I appreciate you reaching out to us. It's really awesome that eight year old, you know, you're, you're doing that. This is some tips. Like, you know, what, look at these YouTube videos, look at the books that we're doing. Don't, you know, don't try to block yourself in that. Like it's a comic book artist or, or I'm a failure. And like, you know, like, do what you love and that might take you to comic books, but it also might take you to totally different things, right? Like I thought I would be right now working on what does the Imagineering. I didn't know there was going to be a global pandemic. I didn't know that I would be working in comic books. At some point, the plan is still to go there, but you know, like let the, you know, don't get in the way of your path, right? That, that's what I usually always try to tell people, like just go through it, you know? Obviously, that's really good advice. Yeah, but you always want to be able to change it up. That's awesome. I feel I feel like for a 23-year-old dude, you've had you've lived like multiple lives. I'm, I'm sure you've probably heard this your whole life. You seem like you're an old soul. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, probably. I I my friends would always get angry at me because I would sit at my dining room table. I think honestly, I think I could try it back to sitting at those Sunday dinners when a lot of times I think normal kids would have just like left and been like, all right, I'm gonna go play video games, even though I was always playing video games. Um, or like go hang out over here I would always sit at the table and listen to all my family and like really listen not just like zone out I would listen to like what my family was talking about like you know like what the finances were what was going on in the world what what you know what like happening in their relationships or what they were struggling with at work so I think as a kid I just found that fascinating and and kind of took it in when a lot of times people don't do that mm -hmm. um, but I don't know I don't know why I did it but if Probably just because I want to be closer to the meatballs when there was a new round that <laughs> hit this table. <laughs> That's awesome. So as an editor, what do you think stands out to you for a project or what, what catches your eye as an editor or what is your advice to aspiring creators who, 
who want to talk to an editor or get an editor's opinion on their projects? Yeah, my, my first thing would be that um, don't sit around with your project hidden, right? You, your project won't be able to get out there unless people know about it, right? If you're the only person who knows about it, that's cool, but you're never, it's never gonna be found by anyone. So don't be scared to reach out to us. Obviously a lot of companies, you know, I've only worked in the comic book space with Aftershock and we have a really awesome submissions, you know, process that we're actually looking at it. I know at some other companies, it's a little bit different, um, but try to create stories. When I'm looking at pitches and everything, I'm always looking for stories that bring a new kind of spin to things, you know? Um, a lot of times people will send us something that, you know, you, you, you almost, you're like, I, it sounds like a good idea, but I've seen or watched or played this so many times. I'm not excited to do it again. Yeah. 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 You know? And that would be like one of my biggest thing is like, even though it sounds like a really good idea, or would you be excited to do that experience? Even though, you know, like we got, you know, like if it's, if it's a Western, like try to do a little bit different that it would be like, okay, I want to go do that again. Even though I know this space, I know this theme, I know this kind of storyline, but you know, just try to bring a new version to it. Um, that that's the biggest thing I'm always looking for. Um, at Abstract, we do a lot of stuff where we try to be involved as early as possible, just so we can make sure the the quality is. Oh my lord, he he changed up his his he changed up his number to get through me on this one. All right, let me mute that. Uh, <laughs> You're an important dude. And, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just my dad. He's just telling. I'm talking about the Dodgers game. I know it. So uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely, just focus on telling stories in, in new ways that I hope that answered that, that makes sense, sense. yeah dad, that totally makes sense yeah well that's interesting man so like so do you plan on doing this long term like I know you have big dreams to like build amusement parks and things like this but you also said you're not going to get in your own way is comics is this the is this the end goal or is there is there more on your horizon I mean I mean for me personally I just like to tell stories so, I mean, as a kid, I always thought I was going to be a concept artist, like I said kind of earlier. Um, but as I've gotten older, I have found, especially once I found editorial, that I'm more the producing uh, editorial side. I like to bring the project together, see it from the beginning, go through the different stages, and then, you know, put it out to the world and everything. Um, so, I mean, I, I love Aftershock. I would work with Aftershock in some capacity the rest of my life if I could. Wow. Yeah. I mean, seriously. That says a lot. Yeah. No, I mean, it is, we're always doing awesome stuff. I love the books. I love the the team, the creators, uh, the stuff that's, I know it's coming up in the future and our our long-term plans and everything. And yeah, if, if I could work, you know, if Disney were like, Hey, we need you tomorrow to come design the new Marvel land for Disney world or something. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I could do that. But if Mike hit me up at night, he'd be like, do you think you could edit this type of stuff at a midnight when you get back? I would be like, absolutely. Because yeah, it's yeah. it's awesome. So That's awesome. I'm always down with it. Um, but my big thing is always trying, like, because I have Tau Creative and stuff. Right now we're working on this pirate hunting 
interactive treasure hunt throughout uh, St. Augustine, Florida that we're designing. That's cool. Um, okay. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, basically we took the idea of like, you know, okay, what if you took an escape room, but you kind of turn it on its head instead of trying to break out, you're trying to break in. So you have to go out into the city to unlock these clues to figure out the numerical code to come back and unlock a treasure chest. And then once you do that, you get like the rewards and stuff. Um, we're also working on this uh, hotel, this boutique hotel project down here. Um, that kind of blends like history and being like a, a more of a community center building a hotel that's not just like a like a Marriott where it's like hey yeah like there's a room but like we don't care about the community yeah um yeah it's, it's really about creating space that when tourists come they're not just tourists they really get a sense of like what that place is what the communities what the culture the food kind of it probably honestly stems from watching all of Anthony Bourdain stuff as a kid um just that that's kind of what he brought to the the, the show right <laughs> um it's kind of like that in a in a hotel so we're always we're always working on stuff uh at some point our family wants to do cruises if we could ever try to figure out a way to buy a <laughs> ship or something to buy which, a ship <laughs> which is insane right but i don't know we're pretty good at at, at finding i don't know I don't know. Either we're really good at convincing people that uh, we know what we're doing, which I think at some point we do, but I guess we're really good at it because, you know, people trust us sometimes to do yeah, things. Yeah, well, think about it. You were running a kitchen at a country club at 16 years old. Yeah, yeah. And then good. at 22, you're working alongside the editor of Aftershock Comics. So, yeah, I think you're pretty good at convincing yeah, people think, that you know what you're I, doing. I, I, yeah, I you got some sales behind you. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think what's good is my dad always told me, like, be able to back yourself up with it. And, and like, no, if you're going to get into something, like, like we're going to deliver. So that's, that's, that's like the big thing. Like, I, I, you know, like straight up, have I ever done a hotel before? No, but like, I've worked in hospitality. I've worked in hotels. I've worked in food and beverage and stuff. I've stayed in a bunch of hotels. I've been in a bunch of ships. <laughs> I can figure it out. Like 100%, I have no hesitation that like we couldn't do it. So even a cruise ship, right? My brother was sending me cruise ships for sale yet last night. We were talking about like three different ships. Because uh, right now there's a bunch of them. There's probably pretty cheap with the pandemic going super, on. Yeah. Super cheap and like kind of ridiculously cheap for what a cruise ship would be. So uh, yeah, I mean, I want to just tell stories in, in different ways. So that's cool, know. man. It's cool. awesome. Aftershock, Aftershock, cool with doing it wherever. That's awesome. Well, where can we find you on social media to see all of these wonderful, wonderful projects that you have going on, all the stuff you're doing at Aftershock? Or do you have a Twitter account? Can we find you on Twitter? Yeah, I, well, I actually deleted my Twitter recently. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just got a lot. Uh, mostly because I was, I was working on the, the Biden-Harris campaign and everything uh, on our social media side. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I, I kind of got just drained out on Twitter. Okay, uh, I can see that. My, yeah, my Twitter's gone now, but I, I'm I'm thinking about bringing it back uh, to connect with writers and creators and everything because I the comic books Twitter is always popping, so I kind of want to get back onto it. So I might I might pull back up, but uh, I have my Instagram is at Teodoro underscore a underscore Leo, which okay. is lot so it's at t-e-o-d-o-r-o underscore a underscore leo so it's just my name okay um and then i mean you got people can find me on linkedin i'm always I, my friends always make fun of me because I'm, I'm i'm always on linkedin i'm always telling them how awesome it is that's how i um, got in touch with you man we were and like i yeah, said I'm, a, I'm really always on it uh, yeah 
Yeah, my friends always make fun of me because they're like, oh, what do you on Facebook, you old man? And I'm like, no, I'm on LinkedIn. They're like, oh, what? You're on LinkedIn? That's what you're, <laughs> hey, you're chilling out on? I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, LinkedIn's the spot because you don't have to deal with all the BS that's going on in Facebook. And, that, and people people on LinkedIn are there to connect with each other. Like, you're yeah. there, that's what you're there to do. Yeah, and like my my LinkedIn is all like creative stuff, right? Like I open it up and it's like, oh, this is awesome. This person's working on this movie or this is a new technology they're trying to do for theme parks or this is a new comic book creator or new pieces of art. It's like way more refreshing to go through that than like, oh, cool, another person at the beach, another piece yeah. of you know, avocado <laughs> toast, another this on Instagram or whatever. So that's awesome. Yeah, probably the biggest thing is my Instagram and my, uh, my LinkedIn. And right. I, my, if there's creators and stuff, listen to this. If you want to send me pitches or whatever, my email is the same thing as my Instagram, just minus the, the underscores. It's taylorelio at gmail.com. So there you, you go. Get, yeah, if you want to get feedback or whatever, I, I could look at pitches, give you feedback. Um, if you're an artist, you want to figure out like how you could set up your portfolio or whatever, hit me up. I'll be glad to look at it. All right. There it is. Well, Teddy, thank you so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. And I mean, hit them up. Like, that's awesome. That's, that's, I mean, you're going to be inundated with pitches, but I mean, that it sounds like that you're a glutton for punishment. I, I, yeah, apparently I do. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, 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 I love seeing all this stuff. And that's, again, like I said earlier, it's the only way to be able to find new talent is, is to actually know it exists. So. Yeah. You know, send us to me. If you, if you have something, definitely send it to me. I mean, you guys send me stuff too, so. We do, uh, we have. We have. Yeah. So. yeah, we have. And it's been awesome. You've been very receptive and and uh, and it's been an interesting experience. So we really appreciate that. So Teddy Leo, Aftershock Comics, thank you so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on soon when you're buying your ships, when you're ready to <laughs> launch on your maiden voyage. We could do one on the ship. <laughs> on the ship. A portfolio review on the ship. Yeah. It's like yeah. a Comic-Con. Yeah. That'd, yeah. that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. I always tell Mike, we should have a big aftershock party on the ship of the hotel once it happens. <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's what we'll have to do. That's, hey, that's all. Let, let's go. Let, all, I'm ready. All aboard. <laughs> I'm vaccinated. I'm on. I'm, I'm <laughs> Thanks, Ted. Peace out. That was Teddy Leo. He's uh, an editor over at Aftershock Comics. He's kind of like a jack of all trades, man. He does everything over there. And what an interesting dude. What an interesting story, man. That's awesome. He's he squeezed so much into his young life. He has. He has, He's done just about everything. Doom buggies and and chef and uh, a cruise ship. I mean, what, what can't the guy do? How awesome does a doom buggy sound? I mean, a cruise ship sounds more awesome if you want. No, nah, I mean, I mean, Spider-Man had a doom buggy, you know. I mean, only on like the '60s cartoon though, with like yeah, was the, rough, the rough Bakshi one, like <laughs> it was, and they, they couldn't it was, drive up stuff like was, on like the new Spider-Man stuff. Yeah, but it was still cool. He still had. It didn't have cool buggy. sticky wheels. Yeah. <laughs> Spider cycle. So that's Spider, cool. I'm I'm a Spider cycle fan, my friend. Yeah, Spider cycles are pretty sweet, and so Teddy even. He even gave his email address so you can send pitches to him, which is really cool. And uh, if you get far along in that process, and let's say you send some stuff to Teddy and Teddy likes it and he sends it up the chain at Aftershock and they say, hey, this is awesome. We want to send you a contract. Sign this contract so you guys can make these books. 
you should hit up Creative Contract Consulting. We had Gamal Hennessy on the podcast a couple months ago, and uh, we're working along with Gamal to let you guys know about the services that he provides. He drafts, negotiates, reviews comic book contracts, and help clients understand the business of making comics, which is very cool. He's been involved in the comics industry for a very long time, since 1999. His clients include Amazon, Aftershock Comics, Experience, Mad Cave, Marvel, and Viacom, you should talk to Gamal. It is a very confusing thing to get a comic contract and to sit there and stare at it and to try to figure it out. The fine people over at Creative Contract Consulting, C3 as they call it, C3. C3 can really help you out and help you cut down this thing and get a contract that isn't so confusing. Confusing. So yeah, mm-hmm. so so hit up, hit do yourself a favor and hit up C3 contract, uh, Creative Contract Consulting. Do that, do that, do that. Their website is www.creativecontractconsulting.com. Do that. Mention the Word Bros podcast, and uh, and 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 Gamal and his people will help you out and get this thing all hammered out for you. It's going to be awesome. Yes. Right, Kevin. Did you get his book yet? I do. I have the book. Have you read it yet? I have not read it yet. Typical, typical comic dude. Hasn't I, read the book. I, I am I am not going to like lie and say I've read it yet, but I, the book looked great to me on Kickstarter. I backed the Kickstarter yeah, for the book. We had him on the podcast. Kamal and, was and awesome. He was, and he, we had him on and he was a wonderful interview. Yeah. So you should go talk to him about any contract questions you have. And he will answer all of your legal questions when they pertain to your comics. He is a legal superhero. Yes. Creativecontractconsulting.com. Check them out. And thank you uh, to them for, uh, for, for our team building here with the Word Bros. That's the podcast. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Uh, who are we talking to next week, Kevin? I think it's Erica Schultz. Erica Schultz. She is... That's a, that's a hot that's, get. That's a, that's it, a, I mean, she is like climbing the ladder, dude. She's doing some really big stuff. Yes. And, and she's working with Mad Cave Studios and done some stuff with Marvel. So we're going to talk to Erica about that stuff and, and about her experiences writing comics. So there you go. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with Erica Schultz. It's going to be a great show. And thank you again to Teddy Leo. We'll talk to you guys soon. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com.